This week's comment, Autumn of the Patriarchy, by David Remnick from the New Yorker magazine, November 20th, 2017. In 1975, Susan Brown Miller published a startling and controversial volume in the literature of feminism. It was called Against Our Will, Men, Women, and Rape. Deploying a wide range of examples from history, criminology, psychoanalysis, mythology, and popular culture, Brown Miller came to a provocative conclusion about the origins of the patriarchal order. Man's discovery that his genitalia could serve as a weapon to generate fear, she wrote, must rank as one of the most important discoveries of prehistoric times, along with the use of fire and the first crude stone axe. Sexual coercion and the threat of its possibility in the street, in the workplace, and in the home, she found, is less a matter of frenzied lust than a deliberate exercise of physical power, a declaration of superiority designed to intimidate and inspire fear. Brown Miller chronicled the use of rape as a weapon in warfare, from classical antiquity to Vietnam its role in the history of marital and property rights, the grotesque way that it shapes our notions of masculinity and femininity. Some of her arguments, particularly those pertaining to race, met with strong and convincing resistance from such critics as Angela Davis. Brown Miller's treatment of the Emmett Till case reads today as morally obvious. Yet, against our will, remains an important prod to our understanding of the social order. One of the most pernicious myths, Brown Miller wrote, is that women cry rape with ease and glee. As Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhey in The Times and Ronan Farrow in The New Yorker have made plain in their recent reporting on the Harvey Weinstein case, women who speak up about sexual predation do so with extreme difficulty and dread. Rumors persisted for years that Weinstein, a film producer and distributor of extraordinary influence, set out to defile and degrade countless women, and, using the instruments of his power, jobs, payoffs, non-disclosure agreements, expensive lawyers and private investigators, he sought to keep them silent. That so many women have summoned the courage to make public their allegations against Weinstein, Bill Cosby, Roger Ailes, and Bill O'Reilly, or that many have come to reconsider some of the claims made against Bill Clinton, represents a cultural passage. An immense cohort of victims and potential victims now feel a sense of release. Suddenly, a number of issues are in play. What constitutes harassment? What relation is there between the worst offenses and more ambiguous ones, between physical assault and verbal slights? What are